Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who was accused of murdering his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes, including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we continued our look at the direct examination by the state of SLED Senior Special Agent Jeff Croft as he answered questions about an interview that the witness participated in with the defendant. In this installment, we continue our review of Prosecutor Creighton Waters' questioning of Special Agent Croft about this interview. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is mid-afternoon on Monday, January 30th, 2023, the fourth day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. Prosecutor Creighton Waters continues his direct examination of Senior Special Agent Croft, playing video footage of an interview that the witness participated in with the defendant on June 10th, 2021, three days after the murders. The video takes place in SLED Senior Special Agent David Owen's vehicle. The camera point of view is from the rearview mirror. We see Owen sitting in the driver's seat and Alex Murdoch sitting in the passenger seat. Behind Murdoch sits the witness, Jeff Croft, and behind the driver's seat, we see Murdoch's attorney, Jim Griffin, who is also representing him at trial. At the end of our previous installment, we heard footage from the interview in which Alex Murdoch spoke of his son Paul's friends and of the family's activities in the days and hours before the murders. We begin today with the section of the video where senior special agent Owen moves on to ask Alex Murdoch about his wife Maggie's actions on the day of the murders. And you said on Monday Maggie had a doctor's appointment in Charleston. None of we talked about this on Monday. Do you call the doctor that she went to or for what the reason was? Maggie had a couple little things going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I personally think she was going to see Dr. Gordine, but I'm not positive. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. I can find out yeah. specifically, though. Her mom her mom will know. Okay. And you said she and she and Buster were at the ball games all weekend? Yes. Or that With me. With you? And what, what ball games? The Carolina, Carolina Regional. They didn't make it past those, did they? No. Okay. Did Paul, well, no, Paul was in Charleston, so he didn't hang out with y'all that weekend. No, sir. And what time did Maggie get back home Monday night? It was after Paul and I had gone. She was not there when Paul and I left to go mess around. Okay. So, you know, it was sometime after that. So there was a point when, you know, she got back, we got back. When y'all got back from riding around and messing around on the farm, she, was she home? or? Yes. Okay. Prosecutor Waters stops the video and asks Senior Special Agent Croft to clarify what the defendant told him and Senior Special Agent Owen. The defendant told you that Maggie was home when they got back from riding around the property, is that correct? That is correct, yes sir. Waters resumes the video of the interview. And I don't believe she'd been home too long when... And what's her car? That Mercedes that's out there? Yes sir. Okay. 
At this point, Murdoch's attorney Jim Griffin chimes in with a comment from the back seat. And you said Bianca had prepared dinner that night. Yeah, Blanca. Blanca, Blanca. Cooked, cooked dinner that night because Maggie, Maggie cooks, you know, when the boys are home, or she tries to really for me, but um, she wasn't going to be there that day. So she had Blanca cook a meal. How is your relationship with Maggie? Very good. As good as it could possibly be. I mean, you know, we had our issues, but wonderful. And I'm just trying to understand the family dynamic. I understand you got to do what yeah. you got to do. I promise. What was y'all's biggest arguments? Would, would, what your biggest, the things that y'all would argue about the most, what would they be over? I mean, we really didn't argue, but the basic, I'd say the, really the only thing that caused any friction between us is she was always wanting us to go. And I love her in-laws. I mean, they're wonderful people. I love her to death. She was always wanting to go there, stay there a little longer than me and the boys wanted to stay. That was really, and, and it really, you know, she'd get really, she'd get ticked off. Yeah. You mean her family? You said yeah. her in-laws. You mean her family? I mean her family. Your in-laws. I mean, we really didn't argue about much. We didn't have much to argue about. I mean, I'm sure there was an occasional thing that came up that we argued about, but I can't tell you what it is. I can't think of it. Okay. <laughs> Tissues. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're good. <laughs> I mean, she was a wonderful girl and a wonderful wife. She was a great mother. <clears throat> she, you know, she didn't work. And, and, and <clears throat> she always said it was her job. Since she was privileged enough not to work, she was going to make sure she took care of me and the boys. And I mean, she did everything. She did absolutely everything. I'm sorry. No, no, you know that's right. I'm good. You go ahead. In the video, after Alex Murdoch composes himself again, we see Senior Special Agent Owen gesture to the current witness, Senior Special Agent Croft, to take over the questioning. And so the next set of questions you will hear come from Croft. That afternoon, or during the time you and you and uh, Paul were up. Uh, yes, sir. Did y'all? Did you go up to around the kennels or anything? Did y'all do anything uh, up toward the kennels? I'm sure we did. You know, my, that's our main shop is, you know, right there. But, you know, I mean, we're normally in there for long times tinkering. And I will say that particular day, we, we did not tinker around there a bunch, you know. When y'all rode around the farm, what were y'all? Were y'all in the truck or... Well, we were actually in two trucks. We rode in one truck and then we rode in... Uh, another truck some one was the black one and one was the white one that was out there okay. mr alec yes sir you know the other day when we were there we we came in and we were, we were talking to john a little bit sure about, and, and you, you obviously got a lot of i say a lot you said 20 or 25 uh, weapons yes sir and you, you know kind of what you got as far as any kind of uh, what kind of weapons you may have I'm pretty much, yes, sir. I know you might not run them all, but can, can you kind of run down what you, force and kind of what you have, what you got, you know, right there? That I own or that's in there now? That you own. All right. That I own. It's in there, you know, or wherever they're at. And, you know, I mean, Paul has guns scattered all over the place. So, you know, some of our guns aren't there. But, so you want to know all of them or you want to know what I think is in my house or what was in my house 
on Monday. Yeah, what was in your house? Let's start with what was in your house on Monday. Okay, whatever was in my house on Monday mm -hmm. is exactly what was there minus one shotgun that I got, that y'all got. Okay. <clears throat> no guns have been moved for, you know, there hadn't been any guns moved in and out of there other than when Paul was home. You know, when Paul came home, he, he would ride around and shoot hogs a lot. Um, he shoot hogs with? You know, I mean, primarily he would shoot them with Buster's gun. Because okay. Paul, Paul had a 300 blackout. Okay. And, you know, he says it got stolen. And it's been gone for some time. Again, Prosecutor Waters stops the video to ask Senior Special Agent Croft a question. What did he say Paul liked to yeah, do? Objecting to this, repeating what the tape says. The jury can hear the tape and just stopping and repeating exactly what Mr. Murdoch says on the tape. Uh, this witness was actually present, and while there is a recording, he's also fair to uh, relate to the jury what he heard being present for that very conversation. I overruled the objection. Thank you. Then let me ask this question again. What did Mr. Murdoch tell you that Paul liked to do? Uh, ride around and shoot hogs. And what did Mr. Murdoch tell you that the weapon was he used to do that? He used his brother's 300 blackout. Again, Creighton Waters resumes the video. So he would use his brother's blackout uh, a lot of times. So Buster had a, also had a 300? I gave him both one. Okay. When, when was that? Uh, About years ago. More than a year ago. More than, more than a year ago. Okay. All right. So, but he would do anything. Paul had this um, little light that I used um, that night. Paul would take that thing up to, you know, by 308, and, I mean, he, he, he was always rigging something. So sometimes shotguns, for, when he would go try to kill the hogs, because, you know, the piglets would be grouped up, but normally he would have a rifle when he went to shoot the pigs. So, all right, so going back to the guns, y'all want me to tell y'all what was in there? Don't y'all, I mean, have an inventory? I, I video yeah. that, the, the thing, I didn't write down everything that you had. Uh, I just took uh, a random, just like recording of what was on the gun rack or on the gun wall in the gun room uh, that day. And there probably there are some more guns that aren't in that gun room. You know, I don't know how many, but okay. you know, like I do know there's a shotgun in my bedroom. Um, yeah, I think Miss uh, Katie, Agent Katie, bought with John and, and saw that one. Okay. And I imagine there's probably some in some other rooms. I know that, I think it was, the we have two, two gun cases, one small one and one big one. And I moved some guns from the little case to the big case just because, you know, her mom and dad were in there and uh, I just took all the guns to the back room. But that's after the fact. Yeah, this time, could I uh, request a brief uh, break? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a break for about 10 minutes. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. After the break, Prosecutor Waters resumes his direct examination of SLED Senior Special Agent Jeff Croft by continuing to play the June 10th, 2021 Alex Murdoch interview footage recorded in Special Agent David Owen's vehicle. For the record, we're uh, resuming with the publishing of Stacey's Exhibit 243, and we're picking up at 36 minutes and 15 seconds in the video. I'm actually going to back it up 10 seconds just since we took a break. You know, her mom and dad were in there, and uh, I just took all the guns to the back room, but that's after the fact. Again, it is the witness, SLED Senior Special Agent Jeff Croft, who is asking Murdoch the questions in this section of the video. Would those guns have been in the room in the gun room when, when we came up there with John? I can't remember exactly when y'all came, but probably. I think y'all came a little bit because it was a good while before y'all came. Let me ask you one thing right here. You had earlier shown some body cam footage of your search of the gun room, is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, ultimately, that day on June 8th, 2021, did agents also go to other areas of the residence uh, to look for any other firearms that fit the caliber of the two weapons from the murder scene? Yes, sir, they did. And by two weapons, I should say two calibers from the murder scene. Yes, sir. And that would be 300 blackout and 12 gauge. That's correct. So ultimately, these weapons that were seized, those are the only ones recovered matching those two calibers. That's correct. Yes, sir. Thank you. Waters again resumes the video. Did y'all keep any guns out at the uh, kennels? You didn't keep guns out there, but there were always guns out there. Okay. You know? And I'm going to be honest with you, we were all a little bit bad about it, but Paul was the worst. You know, he was the worst. He would, he would leave a gun out there? He would leave anything anywhere. And, you know, it was not unusual for there to be guns out there. Like, I can tell you that, I mean, they told me that a 300 blackout was used in this. I, that 300 blackout, you know, it was it was not out there. So y'all, y'all didn't use that for target practice or he didn't have it out there with him on Monday? No. Okay. No, that's right, because it was in the house. What did the defendant tell you about whether or not there was a 300 blackout present at the kennels on the night of the murders? He said it was not out there. Those last few questions, as well as the next set of questions, are asked by Senior Special Agent David Owen. Paul said that one um, was stolen or, or lost, and it was some time ago. Did Was that reported anywhere? It wasn't officially reported because I wasn't totally convinced it was stolen. Okay. You know, as opposed to lost, but, I mean, that was people told about it. Yeah. I know that I told John Beddingfield about it. I know that I told some other local officers about it, you know, just in case it turned up in a drug thing. Okay. But I didn't do an official report. Okay. The, the two that you, you bought for the boys, that each one of them had one and the one Paul lost, is that the only ones that you, you, you have? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I thought we replaced I thought that Paul got another one replaced, but Buster said we didn't, but I was certain that we did. But 
I mean, my memory is it's been gone for a substantial while too. In the video, Senior Special Agent Croft is now asking the questions. Again, Creighton Waters stops the tape and asks Croft questions about its content. What did Alec Murdoch, the defendant over there, tell you about the third blackout? To his memory, it had been gone for a substantial amount of time, too. Do you remember anything about them? As far as, were they the same colors? They, they were identical except for colors. Okay. Who had, did, which one was Buster's? Buster's the one we still have. Paul's the one that lost his. Okay. So what were the two colors? Black and tan. Buster's is black. Paul's was tan. Okay. And you say you, you thought you replaced it after he lost it. For I'm, another one, but, I'm all but, but Buster says you didn't. I believe that we did. Okay. I mean, there'll be a record of that, won't it? Should be, yes, sir. I know we replaced it. But, you know, I wouldn't. I, yeah, I know we replaced it because I wouldn't replace it again. Maybe I just think that now. I don't know. But I'm certain we replaced it. Senior Special Agent Owen asks the next set of questions. Have you talked to um, CB Row since Monday or Tuesday? Yes, sir. Because I know we, we talked about what he had done on the farm. Have you all, is he still employed? He's still employed because I got to have somebody keeping it clean. But I, I mean, I, I can't keep him. Yeah. I mean, he's an idiot. Yeah. And, you know, I know I told you, I don't know why that story seemed important to me the other night. Yeah. I really can't see CB Row doing, I, I just can't. I really do not believe that. Here, Alex Murdoch is referencing a comment about some odd behavior by one of his hired hands that the defendant made to Senior Special Agent Owen and Colleton County Detective Laura Rotland during the June 7, 2021 interview in Owen's vehicle. Owen seems skeptical in his response that that story has any leads in it. Well, it, I mean, it, it's an odd story. It's um, a messed up story. And, you know, and, and I'm just being in law enforcement for so long and working these type cases. And I don't know the Islington era area, but talking to Colony County and seeing the property and how isolated it is, finding somebody that's just going to randomly come up there that late at night that doesn't know the property. You know, that's so, I, of course, I have to look within and then start working my way out. So you feel like it's not random. You feel like it's intentional. I mean, planned. I, I don't know what to feel right now, and I, I, I hate to say that. I, I don't know what to feel right now. So do y'all have any good clues? All of the evidence that we collected Tuesday morning, and we collected additional evidence on Tuesday, on Tuesday afternoon, they've collected evidence at autopsy today. So we, we're, we're trying to put a rush on that to get an answer quick and hoping that's going to tell us something. By evidence, I mean, is it things you think are going to be helpful? Well, I mean, the, like the shot shells out there, the, the, the casings, the DNA swabs that we took from the door handle to see if anybody touched the door handles, um, any other places that we think somebody may have touched while they were out there. Um, you know, we're trying to collect DNA from that and analyze that, which at the conclusion of this, what, what I'm going to also ask is that we get a buckle swab, a DNA swab from you. No your, I mean, your DNA is going to be there, no. but we need to eliminate it when, when, once it's developed. So, you know, we don't need so, that unknown yeah. and it actually is a family member. There's no problem. Um, I mean, we we have talked to close to 100 people trying to track people down, and we're still tracking people down. And that's why, you know, who Paul was with. I want to tell you one thing while I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Paul was really an incredibly intuitive little dude. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he was like a little detective. And, I mean, 
Paul would, you know, he, he you know what yeah. I'm trying to say? Yeah, which leads me to, let's go back to Paul right quick while we're on him. So we have his phone. Do you know his passcode? I don't. And I'm going to tell you this right now. There's a few people I can point you to. Yeah. But I can tell you that he was super, super, super secretive with that cell phone. I asked his brother if he knew it. Did, did the ones they got the other day didn't? When you, I, did y'all get any the other day? Not for Paul's phone. Okay. okay. I know they got I know they got Maggie's code. I know works. Maggie's. Yeah. And and, and it works. Or it worked. Yeah. Uh, I I've not gotten it, but there's a lot of people out moving parts that you know may have gotten that information. So we'll follow up on it. If you, you believe somebody gave a, a code for Paul's a possible code for Paul's. Uh, you know, maybe it was Maggie's. I don't know. Okay. But I'll find out. I'll, I will try to find out Paul's code. Yeah. But it will surprise me greatly if somebody knows it. I mean, certainly, you know, talking about the investigation, certainly we're, we're looking at every angle, trying to figure out what fits. Um, and we're, talk, we're talking to, you know, people that were involved in the boat case. We're talk, trying to track down people that Paul knew and were friends with. That's why I asked who he was in Charleston with. So we can go try and see if they might know something or try to figure something out. We're trying to get into his phone to see if there's any information, see if he got like a direct threat from somebody there. I mean, the people that are here are not the only ones working on this. Uh, we've got people out doing things right now. Thank you. I mean, we're just... We're trying to pull everything in. Just the area, Arlington. Unfortunately, they don't. There's not a lot of people moving around. Um, I mean, I've got got somebody looking at videos right now back at the office, coming through hours of videos that we've gone out and collected. Well, thank y'all. Yeah, very much, Mr. Allen. You don't have to call me, Miss. You just I'm, call I'm me. Sorry. And I'm like, thank you for that. Again, the witness, Senior Special Agent Jeff Croft, is asking the questions in this part of the video. And you and Paul got back to the house, Miss Maggie's there, and y'all eat supper, which has been prepared. And you say you said you laid down and, and took a little nap, and when you got up, Maggie and Paul was gone, or did they leave when you laid down? I, I, I believe that I'm not, I'm not sure. But they weren't there when you woke up around the 9 o'clock mark or so when, when you made the call to Maggie to, to let her know you going to No, nobody was in that house when I left. And just... Trying to narrow that the, the last time that you saw Paul and Maggie's when y'all were eating supper. Yes, sir. When you asked the defendant, when was the last time he saw Maggie and Paul? What did he tell you? When he was eating supper. After asking the witness to emphasize that point, Creighton Waters resumes the video. Until you came back from your mom's and, yes, and found what you found. The next voice we hear is Murdoch attorney Jim Griffin chiming in from the back seat as Alex sniffles and sobs in the passenger seat. Yes, Alex probably told y'all this. He did check for a pulse. Yes. Right. And, that, and that's why we want to do the DNA. Right. Uh, to, to right. 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 After Alex Murdoch regains his composure, Senior Special Agent Owen asks another series of questions. When you tried to turn Paul over, do you know if you tried to turn him towards the kennels or away from the kennels and his phone fell out? Away. I think I turned him away. Was he left-handed or right-handed? He was right-handed. Where did he normally keep his phone? I don't. I mean, usually in his hand. <laughs> mm. Most, most. But the defendant was asked during this interview, 
where Paul normally kept his phone, what did he say? Usually in his hand. I mean, it was, you know, it was always on him. Pocket, hand, truck. Where did Maggie carry her phone? Anywhere she could? Yes, sir. Did y'all get fingerprints on her phone? I haven't gotten that back yet. The next question in the video is asked by the current witness, Senior Special Agent Croft. When Paul's phone came out, did you, you just pick it up and put it on, you know, place it back down on him or? You know, yeah, I did not try to open it or anything. You know, I just, I don't know how I had in my mind that I needed to not mess anything up. Somehow, I had that presence of mind that I needed to not mess anything up. And so, I tried not to. And, and you definitely saw a traumatic picture and and I know it's not hard or not not easy I know it's hard and sitting there talking today is, is tough it's just so bad it's so bad the defendant's statement in this section of the video will become a focal point of significant dispute between the parties prosecutor waters pauses the video to elicit from senior special agent Croft what he heard the defendant say in that moment you asked the defendant about the traumatic picture that he saw of Paul and Maggie. What did he say? It's just so bad. I did him so bad. I did him so bad. Yes, sir. He's <laughs> such a good boy, too. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> but, you know, the little, the little things that we've got is, is necessary. Uh, so that we can we can get a little better picture as to to you know to what may have happened. <clears throat> well, I just thank y'all for everything. My parents, my in-laws. I, I would like somebody to update me or my brother or somebody so that I can tell them as y'all discover things. Unless there's some reason y'all don't do that. Well, <clears throat> I mean they just have so many questions. I understand, and I mean, they may even well no, they don't. Well, I mean, how I, I know Maggie's mother just had a knee replacement. How was their health overall, other than that? You know, they're ailing a little bit. They're mm -hmm. getting on up there. Daddy has some neuropathy, but I mean, they're in good physical health. They, they're in good. You know, their fortitude is good. They're just, you know, they're they're just getting age on them. You yes. know. Yes, sir. <clears throat> um, are are they in Somerville or are they at the house on Moselle? No, they didn't. They live in Somerville. Okay. But they're, I mean, they're here now. Oh, they're here in this house? No, they're in Moselle. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, I'll go by and, and speak with them and meet with them um, if you think that would help. Or... I think that would help a tremendous okay. amount if you would just be willing just to sit down and let them. I mean, you know, hearing from me and John Marvin and Danny and whoever, what little tidbits y'all get, I mm -hmm. just... You know what? I think it would give them peace of mind to know that y'all got a team of people out there on it. Yes, sir. And, and you know, just to really have something, you know, a tangible person instead of being told. We got a contact number for them? Yeah, I'm getting ready to get that. Okay. I'm so sorry. And, uh, I know y'all have the phone. Y'all can... In the next section of the video, the sled agents collect contact names and information for Maggie Murdoch's family. I'm telling you, man, I, I, I've been the luckiest person in the world with in-laws. I mean, yeah. they are wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I tell people. I tell people all the time. It's my in-laws that I like. It's my wife's in-laws I don't. There you go. 
This final portion of the recorded interview begins with Senior Special Agent Owen offering Alex Murdoch some counseling options. So we have victim's advocate, Ms. Marion Walker. Thank you. That's her cell number. Thank you. There's some information for you on the back. In the victim's advocate program, they, I mean, they help with different things. Um, I think more specifically, what would be more beneficial, especially to you and Buster, um, is some counseling down the road, grief counseling. You know, I do some assistance to listeners' work. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. You're familiar with familiar it. Familiar with the thing. But thank you so yes, much. Sir. And there was a discussion about victim's advocate. Uh, what did Mr. Barnard tell you about career? That he did some assistant solicitor's work, and he was familiar with the program. And again, what is an assistant solicitor? He's a prosecutor which prosecutes criminal offenses. Okay. Criminal prosecutor? Yes, sir. I know y'all planned out the funeral today. When is the funeral? Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yes, sir. Okay. You know, well, visit, visit. The, the, we're doing a service tomorrow. Maggie and Paul aren't going to be ready until next week. So we're doing service tomorrow, and then we're going to have a private family thing one day next week. Okay. okay. Uh, Are y'all doing anything tonight? Because I, I, I can run by and talk to Terry and Kennedy tonight. I think the sooner of, you can come yeah. and talk to them, the the peace of mind that, that would really help them. Okay. That's convenient for you. So we're just, we're out at the house tonight, but, mm -hmm. and if for some reason they go back early because of the service tomorrow, they may be staying tonight. They may not be. I'm not sure. Yeah. All, all of their cousins and family on the Branstetter side and the Hubbard side is coming in from Kentucky. And so they may be going back to stay with them. I'll find out and call you. Do I have, I think you called me. On this this interview on June 10th, 2021, to your knowledge, had there been another death in the family? At this point, it had not. Okay. Was there one not long after this? Yes, it was. And who died? Mr. Alex's father. And what was his name? Randolph. Um, Jim's got my number. Okay. I gave, I gave him I'll, my I'll find out and okay. call you in just a minute. Okay. Do you have any other questions that I might be able to answer right now that we hadn't gone over? Uh, no, sir. It's, I mean, it's, as soon as I get something, and if it's okay with you, John Marvin asked me to go through him. That's fair. So I'm not bothering you in case you're doing something. What time What time is the service tomorrow? 12 o'clock. Okay. Where is that going to be? Hampton. What? At a church or? It's graveside. Okay. So if I, if I get something around that time, I won't bother you. I'll, I'll wait 1, 1 and. If you get anything important, you can call me anytime. Okay. Anytime. Okay. Are y'all going to publicize the service, or is it just going to be for family and friends? No, sir. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be open. But I got TC and those making sure there's no. I don't want any press anywhere near. Yeah. So no, they, you know, they, they don't deserve to be near. They're going. They're they're going to make sure in the town of Hampton that you know there's no press. Okay. All right. Well, y'all got my numbers. Thank you. So with that phone, it's gonna take a while. It did. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check on it. Y'all go back in the house. Uh, when it's done, I'll bring it to Let you. Let me do this. This final portion of the video includes Senior Special Agent Croft taking saliva swabs from the inside of Alex Murdoch's cheek. Oh, the buckle. Yes. Yeah. Let's do the buckle swab right quick. Right. You can sit where you at, Alex. And I'm, I'm gonna step out, but I got a Oh, what? The buckle. And there's a question asked about, do you think he's through with that phone? What were they talking about? Mr. Alex's phone, which he had given to us to uh, do a download on. And who was doing that download again? Uh, Dylan Hightower. And that was occurring while this interview was going on? Yes, sir. Now you're discussing the buckle swab, is that correct? That is correct, yes, sir. That's, that's, the buckle swab, oh, yeah. Oh. 
Do I need to spit out my tobacco? Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll get everything together. I'm doing the consent now. That's fine. I'm gonna go ahead and where where's your gloves at? You didn't grab gloves. Um, I did not, but I know one of these vehicles got gloves. I'm not in my... What happens next? What, are, what if anything, are you about to do? I'm fixing the glove up. I'm going to uh, secure the cotton swabs, the sterile cotton swabs, and getting ready to do the uh, buckle swab. And who do you do the buckle swab of? On Alex Burdock. And the person you've been describing as Alex, the person you interviewed, you see him in the courtroom here today? Yes, sir, I do. Can you identify him for the jury, He's please? He's sitting at the defense table with the, looks like navy blue. Pleasure. Sorry, can the record reflect he's identified the defendant? Thank you. I'm going to show you real quick what's been marked as State's Exhibit 157 and see if you recognize that. Yes, sir, I do. All right, and can you tell the jury what that is? That is the uh, buckle swab which I collected from Mr. Alex Burdock. This time I would offer State's 157 into evidence, I believe, without objection. Is that correct? Yes, Your Honor. I'll do it. This is the buckle swab you took that day that's on the video? Sir, it is. After that, where did that buckle swab go? It was turned over to uh, crime scene and went to the lab for testing. And is that general practice with any sort of evidence like this to secure it from any tampering while it's turned over to crime scene? Yes, sir, it is. And the writing on the back of this uh, this uh, evidence slip, whose writing is that? That would be David Owen, and he collected by Jeff Croft. I'm going to show you what's been marked as states 218, states 219, states 220. And just generally see if you recognize those particular documents? Yes, sir, I do. And generally what are those? Property receipts for items that were seized during the uh, searches of the, at the residence. That you previously described to this jury? Yes, sir. Firearms evidence and the like? That's correct. Your Honor, this time the state would move 218, 219, and 220 into evidence, I believe, without objection. So admit it. All right, I'm going to show you what's been marked as State's Exhibit uh, 156. And I'm going to ask you, if you could, to open the sealed pouch at the top so we can see what's inside. Okay, please. All right. Now, I'm going to um, ask you to hold on to that one. I ask you to return these back into the, that pouch, if you could, please. All right. I'm going to uh, put 156 on this particular exhibit. And can you tell the jury, if you recognize that, what that is, please? That is the vehicle swab that was collected from uh, Rogan Gibson. swab. I did. Did Rogan consent to that buckle swab? He did. And did you secure it from any tampering and turn it over to crime scene? Uh, yes, sir. Your Honor, at this time I would move uh, states 156 in the evidence, I believe, without objection. No objection. You're admitted. Oh, it's admitted without objection. I'm going to show you what's been marked as states 155. Identification at this time, see if you uh, recognize this particular item. Yes, sir, I do. And tell me generally what that is, please. It's a property receipt for the uh, buckle swab that was that we took, or I took, from uh, Mr. Alexander Murdoch. And that's the one from the, the video that has been played for the jury? Yes, sir, it is. At this time, Your Honor, I can move states 155 into evidence, I believe, without objection. Submit it. Your Honor, that would uh, conclude the state's uh, direct examination of Special Agent, Senior Special Agent Craw. I think we will call it a day and start at 9.30 tomorrow morning. Please do not discuss the case. And with the conclusion of day four of the trial of Alex Murdoch, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty. Please join our next installment as we begin our review of the defense's cross-examination of SLED Senior Special Agent Croft. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.